yeah it's it's heavy and very on brand but um <clears throat> like the in inverse inverse death so it's all about burning bridges running away fear of change and uh refusing to let go when death appears reversed there's a delay in reaching a conclusion in some aspect of your life it may be that there is still a lot to be learned where you are right now or it is no time to move on or you may be having trouble letting go in some area for example you might be unwilling to accept the romantic relationship is over alternatively you may be hastily severing ties and burning bridges in order to escape an aspect of your life death reversed maybe a warning to you to slow down and not leave everything behind <laughs> if death appears reversed and you've been trying to escape something uncomfortable it may be telling you to confront the issue more directly sometimes when we try to run away from something we end up encountering the same problem in a different form because this is the challenge we need to overcome so that we can develop man that's heavy it was, it's, it's, um, <laughs> it's really there's a lot in that to unpack depending on how deep you want to go i think what resonates with you like on that card on that vibe like it's it's definitely on brand with a lot of things but like not exactly where i'm at immediately like, uh, immediately right now especially with like lockdown and stuff like uh you know like i guess the only thing i'm not letting go of right now is the fact that uh you know i can't party yet like i can't do this podcast face to face uh <laughs> Like, I can't let go of that fact. Um, it's shit, man. It's heavy. And uh, I guess with like uh, tarot cards, like you can you can pin that with any aspect of your life. Your brain seems to make connect dots in some ways. We're really good at that as humans to find, oh, that relates to me and my problems to, in everything, you know, whether it's like the weather or, you know, it's like I could control the weather when I'm upset. It's like, no, I think it's just, you know, we just need to kind of take a step back yeah. from it, you know, be a little bit less narcissistic. <laughs> I'm definitely one to uh, run away from my problems and burn bridges in the <laughs> process so on. Yeah, man. And you know what? I think as well, I think there's a bit of a recurring theme that seems to happen with the inverted Fear of cards. Change. Oh, Fear of Change, is that you as well? Yeah, yeah. So it's like, it's it's a whole plethora of, um, of unbranded things <laughs> for me. Like, um, <laughs> fear of change and uh, refusing to let go. But like, they got real specific for a second there about the uh, romantic relationship that I'm uh, unwilling to accept. Like, fuck, man. I wish I had a romantic relationship to get over. Like, but man, lockdown. That shit ain't happening. <laughs> You can't even burn the bridge because there's not even a bridge to get to because you can't go outside. I can't even make a bridge to burn in the first place, man. It's fucking bullshit. <laughs> now tell me, I think there like, might... There's, uh, I was thinking... Oh, yeah? What do you got? Uh, I was thinking the other day, like, with this lockdown stuff, like, in the in the parallel universe where uh, there, there is no uh, pandemic, like, throughout the course of, like, 12 months, you make so many new connections through like being at the bendy or going to meredith or like all sorts of distant situations like i can't imagine the uh, interactions i've been robbed from by this um pandemic like who do you think you would have met in this year if the year went like rick and morty style where there was no yeah there was no pandemic who would you have met in th by this point in your life at this year at the things you would have gone to 
maybe in parallel universe where there's no pandemic, like I would have maybe met the love of my life or like, you know, a new best friends, like. <laughs> <laughs> like to replace the old best friends or just add ones to add to the collection of best friends? Yeah, fuck it, man. I got the death card, I'm burning bridges. <laughs> <laughs> parallel, parallel universe Mikey is still burning bridges and running away from things. <laughs> He could have been even worse. Maybe this is time to reflect, you know? Maybe you're not going to be a bridge burner after yeah. COVID, whereas you might have been before. Yeah. I'll, um, I'll be thinking about this card a lot after this pod, for sure. That's good to see, know. See what, I can, uh, see what I can apply to my own life. <laughs> good to know. Alright, welcome to Fucky Tarot Lady episode 34. My guest today is Mikey Nolan. Thanks for joining us via Zoom. Thanks for having me, man. <laughs> I feel like I need to say that for the pod, <laughs> just for general gaps in audio and maybe a bit of lack of quality that, you know, everyone's aware of now in, in, in this world that we live in. Like, hopefully not too much longer, right? Like, the, you know, we're, we're on the, and when are we recording this? It's 24th of the 9th. So it's like, fuck, they're saying by the end of October or something, right? Is that the vibe? Yeah. Who fucking knows, man? I've just resigned to the fact that, um, you know, we'll see this through until like Easter. That's what I've just told myself. Just so anything that's like not that is is a massive win. Oh, man. I, I went to the blood bank yesterday in the city just as an excuse to get in the city because that's legally allowed if you, you know, catch a train to go in and do that. And I thought, well, fuck, if, if it means losing a bag of blood and helping people and I can get out. But it was just such a hollow experience because it was empty and dead. Um, mm. And then and then I heard on the radio while I was sitting in the blood bank, it was like a normal radio station, you know, like a, it was like a gold FM or some shit. And they're like, oh, because of the reduced numbers in cases, uh, there's talk about it, you know, as of Monday. And I'm like, whoa, 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 news media. Can we just like stop pushing like that pressure on people? Because it's just <laughs> making me feel bad when like Dan Andrews comes out and says, no, no Monday, you know? Yeah, I'm like, I'm stopped looking at that. I just look at the, the data that gets released each day, like the case numbers and stuff and like the hotspots and whatnot. Where's but the like, data? All How the other commentary, man. Like, there's some like nerd who has nothing to do with anything that's just like collecting the data and he's like an open data transparency advocate or something. And um, yeah, he's been, um, he's got this site like COVID Live or whatever, but um. He's been like accurately tracking stuff in Australia, at least. Could we just have that? Can he just broaden that spectrum to world news as well, and like Australian news and politics news? And I could just get an unfiltered like facts. Can you just give like I'm? I feel like I'm smart enough that if you just gave me facts, I could read them, right? Like I don't, I don't know if they're that, uh, you know, unreadable or unimaginable to a normal mind, right? Like if we could just fucking do. Yeah. Here's the deal. Let's rationally talk about this. Yeah. Well, otherwise I'll like deliberately read like the, um, the news court stuff and just kind of like, oh, what, what's their spin on things? <laughs> like, just cause I know most of the shit they uh, put out is like bullshit. So I'm just like, sweet. So what, what, what are they trying to spin today? <laughs> like, 
And is it transparent? Like, is someone like, I can't be fuck reading news. And even when I do find news things, it's always like popped up like, hey, can we get ad blocker off? Or do you want to pay for this article? Blah, blah, blah. And it's always like a hindrance, except for what Google kind of feeds me through the feed, right? So how, when you're looking on like Murdoch specific news, where are you going? Um, I like to read the comment sections on like Facebook and stuff, or, or like just, just straight up news.com.au. Like, it's like... How many people could that like on a balance news? it out with like a bunch of other stuff? Like what's the Man, what's the, like, more than you think, but nobody I know either, which is <laughs> So who's doing it, do you think? Who, who's the population of comments in a in a like a, a, a comment section like that? Fucking old people <laughs> that just got the internet. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, how the fuck do we get onto any of this stuff? Oh, the restrictions. Yeah, you're looking at news. Oh. I'm trying to wind back to get to the lightning round openers. Um, <laughs> but hopefully... Yeah, well, this is the shit you can edit out. Like, I don't think anyone wants to listen. <laughs> no, I'm keeping this shit in. A, because I'm too lazy to edit it out. And B, because it was entertaining. And I hope people enjoy it too. It'll brighten their days to realize that we're all going through the struggle of trying to find yeah. real news and trying to fucking be human in this weird... Not too much longer, hopefully, yeah. though. Easter next year, lock it in. Yeah. Um, Hell yeah. Anyway, <laughs> tell us, tell us, Mikey Nolan, when lightning round openers, when you were a youngster growing up, what was the music playing in your house? Uh, the music playing in my house? Um, my folks weren't particularly mad into music, but I was like the youngest of five, and all my siblings with various uh, age gaps to me. So um, they were all into music. And, there was a lot of gender like, rage as well. in the house. Was it like a, a, yeah, a, yeah, well spliced? A real di- It was a real diverse household. It was like me, my brother, and um, three sisters. So, um, but like everyone was playing music. My brother was like ten years older than me, so he was like mad into like Nine Inch Nails and sick weird goth music at the time. And um, <laughs> <laughs> I guess like with um like TV hits and Rage were playing, but it was like kind of. I guess what was like 97, 98. That's kind of when I uh, started like noticing and developing an interest in consuming music. Um, it was kind of off the back of, I guess that Nirvana grunge thing. So there's a lot of pop punk, new metal going around, like mm. tons of guitar based music was like still, still the buzz. So um, yeah, I just, I just ended up watching like a corn music video one day and was right into new metal from the get go. And, Bounce between that and like gangster rap is like a primary school kid like <laughs> loves Tupac, Slipknot, and um, Limp Biscuit and Corn. So I love that Limp Biscuit can bring you know Tupac and new metal together. You know, in your mind, it's like it bridges that gap for like you know you're a young dude being like yeah for sure it's all the same. <laughs> yeah, this is like this is like eight year old yeah, Mikey. Like, exactly, an eight year old so. Mikey was onto it. Like he understood what Fred Durst was trying to do. <laughs> Yeah, like even at the time, I can like imagine eight-year-old me. Like I, I thought I knew what was up as well, so I had that like mentality pretty, pretty dialed in. Like from a young age. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, what was your MSN screen name that you remember? Were you an MSN guy or a MySpace guy? Man, I fucking loved MSN. Um, <laughs> MSN screen name, like shit. That would have, <laughs> it would have either been like my name with like some beer emojis or emoticons what did you call them back then uh i think emoticons emoticons, yeah 
Yeah, it would have been like my name, Mikey, with like two beers on each side of my name or like Poison the Well or Converge Lyrics or something sad or dumb. Like That's on brand. Yeah, like you know when somebody's like MSN was just like a real sad, depressing lyric? That was you. <laughs> and it was just kind of like, I'm guessing 13-year-olds at the time was like, trying to reach out <laughs> just like if i'm trying to like dial into what that mentality was somebody's like man are you all right <laughs> <laughs> before you've even talked to them on msn you know from the name that it's like you need to do some consoling here you know yeah i still remember like the first day of year seven like high school like everyone was walking around grabbing everyone's email addresses to um like link up on msn because I grew up in uh, like a regional area. So it was just like 10 different primary schools just crammed into the one high school. So nobody really knew each other from like day one, year seven. Wait, where did you grow up? Where, where'd you, where'd you live? Um, so I grew up in a, in a town called Heskett, which is like out of Wood End. Like, you, do you know where Hanging Rock is? Yeah. Right. Holy shit. That's like, it's a remote, is it remote? Like based on that, if you're saying it's near no, Hanging no. Rock, like. It's like an hour out of the city, but um, I tell people that I've lived in Wood End because nobody knows where Heskett is, but um, oh, I guess the, the good reference point, yeah, the good reference point would be like, I, I lived about a couple hundred meters from the front gate hanging off. Right. That's wild. Well, like, did you ever go to those concerts at Hanging Rock, like Bruce Springsteen and um, all that played? No, I didn't. Bruce Springsteen, Midnight Oil. Yeah, so, like, my folks used to live across the road from there, and, um, like, we just jumped the fence and break into, um, like, Bruce Springsteen. Like, I saw Let It Go on live because I broke in. That's amazing, dude, because I'm from Geelong originally. We had Day on the Green, which is down towards, like, the wineries. I'm assuming that's the same <clears throat> same mob that do those kind of shows, right? They would do it at Hanging Rock, and then they do it down in Geelong as well to get all, like, the 40-plus wine crowd. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so, so you're from Heskett, which is near Hanging Rock and you're, you're out there and you're doing your thing. Why, why the move to Melbourne? Was that based on music? Um, yeah, pretty much. Like there's nothing to do out that way. Like everybody that kind of got stuck, either got like addicted to meth or started having families <laughs> at that's... a very young age. Yeah. <laughs> that's a harsh binary choice there, you know, like either meth or yeah. marriage and children. Yeah, like, I, I just pretty much just wanted to get out. Like, um, I was, like, always kind of drawn to the city. Like, I'd always spend my weekends, like, catching a V-line into, into the city to, like, flip around Missing Link, watch whatever install was going on, and just dick around getting drunk in alleys with all my other shithead teenage friends, you know? Like, <laughs> what, um, what were the kind of memories you have of that time? Like, what kind of bands were you seeing at Missing Link? What kind of stuff were you picking up? What kind of T-shirts were you buying or pins for your bag? I still remember, like, the first in-store I ever saw was, like, In Name and Blood and this other band called, like, Preteen Disco Diaries. And then there was, like, this big um, war between, like, the uh, the Flinders Street kids because it was, like, a, a feud. Like, I never hung out on the steps, but, like, it was around that maybe, like, 2006 time in Melbourne where, like, it was just full of, like, teenage alternative kids loitering everywhere like 
all over the CBD. Like, <laughs> did, did, was that a time and a place, and that's now gone, or do you think youth are always walking around the city? You know, like hanging out as I don't <laughs> I'm not really like paying attention to what teenagers are doing these days. Exactly. And I think the same thing. Like I see the steps of Flinders street and there's no one on them anymore, but I'm like, am I just not, did I used to see the youth in a way that when I was a youth and they're all sitting on, like, is it just, do I just see people sitting on steps now? Like, or has it changed? No, but remember there was a time where they, um, I think the, the, the loitering on the steps got so bad that they, um, passed a law that like you couldn't, there was a no standing zone on the steps at Flinders Street. So, um, like, so like all the, like, all the MySpace kids and goth kids and shit just, like, um, just loitered out in front of the Hungry Jacks on the corner of, like, Flinders and just, you know, the one near Young and Jackson. Oh, my God. That's so funny. <laughs> so, and, like, somebody, oh. somebody could write a book about, like, all these subcultures that existed. I would love to see Doco's man. I would love to see old Nokia phone footage of it. Cause like I have old Nokia phone footage of my little, you know, MySpace scene from Geelong from like 2005 and six. And it'd be so great to see everyone's collected in like shitty pixel format of like their little nerdy mall hangouts. Yeah. Cause like a lot of those guys were like pretty rough as well. Like I saw a lot of like full on like emo fringe kids, like, fighting and like pulling knives on each other at the steps and stuff like wait what the fringe the fringe kids had knives yeah yeah there was like ones that were like i guess pretty methy and um like (laughs) there was a bit of a gang war going on between these like emo kids and like you couldn't wear a particular bandana at the colored bandana i think it was like red or blood and (laughs) someone was just wearing a particular colored bandana and like someone just staunched this guy. <laughs> what? No, that is, un- I couldn't imagine like, like I understand that happens in all subcultures, you know, but I wouldn't expect it from like the emo fringe dudes, like not wearing, like that's ridiculous. Yeah. Well, I guess, I guess those ones probably like the hectic ones probably just got into the graph thing. I'm guessing uh, like I stopped caring. Um, <laughs> when I was an adult about all that sort of stuff going on. But <laughs> you moved up to the, the next level, which is band world, you know? Yeah. I'll just like, you know, not giving a shit about what the teenage dumb kids are doing. <laughs> yeah. It's like you find the band from being a teenager, but you're like, Oh, I can just do that without the bullshit. I can just go make music. <laughs> yeah. But it's funny to reminisce on like, I don't think that that kind of stuff exists as much these days, possibly because of the internet, like everyone's kind of exists in like online communities instead of like proper ones. Like I remember back in my, back in my day, uh, you know, you just catch a train into the city and like you just bump into whoever was kicking around or yeah. yeah. The, the equivalent in Geelong. Oh yeah. You get dropped in. Would you get dropped in? Oh no, you just get dropped off at the skate park. Cause it's like, you weren't interested into a sport or anything. So you and all the other like kids that skated or wrote, wrote BMXs just found a way to get drunk and do dumb shit. <laughs> yes. Every town needs somewhere for little teenage kids to hang out. There needs to be a skate park in every town, essentially. Yeah. Like, I guess that was like my gateway into like, I guess missing link, which kind of developed my interest into like underground music was like, I wasn't, playing footy on the weekend i just had a bmx so i just get dropped off at the skate park and then you know the other kids at the skate park were 
just not really skating but looking for excuses to get drunk and it was just like a mix of like metalheads and punks and hardcore kids and stuff so so like what was the kind of music playing i guess the the question about the house let's like swap it around like what was the what was the music playing at the skate park at that time other than the influence um, from your... so there was like a bit uh, there was a lot of like hardcore like just uh parkway drive was pretty big and then um i guess that developed into like people getting into like combat kid and then from there just being like yeah i'm into minus threat and black flag and just like being like real staunch hardcore kids wearing basketball shorts and youth lodge sh shirts and stuff like that but then like i guess like as everyone got older people were just like a bit uh more easygoing but i was a bit split because i kind of i enjoyed hardcore but i also liked metal and I liked punk as well, but I, um, you know, but never you, had a mohawk. I never had. You had to pick had, a like, side, the, Mikey. You had to, you had to draw a line in the sand and wear like your Doc Martens or your whatever to, to prove that you were on whatever tribe. Yeah, I guess like in early high school years, I probably fell into hardcore more because it was. It seemed like there was less of a uniform. Like you, your haircut didn't really matter. But then, like the more i got into it it was just like every other subculture it was like no nah, your haircut and the shit you were wearing matted and like it was yeah it was interesting like i kind of floated between like metal punk and hardcore and still maybe do a little bit like and i think we all three you have to in this in yeah. this day and age it's like it's, it's all nebulous you know and i don't think you can get into one scene without having all the other ones kind of come into your life if you're going to be into one of them you're going to kind of got to be into all of them now i think it's great yeah yeah no i never i never picked a side like i still oh. i still wouldn't be able to align myself with one or the other like i always have like a, a stamp because like being like a 16 year old kid with long hair and being in like a metal band it's like i always kind of wear that even though that that hair turned into a fucking scene fringe like years later when i was like 17 you know yeah. like i still have this fun thing where it's like Oh yeah, I've worn. It's like yeah, it's like being a class in a video game. It's like yeah, I was a metal dude for a little bit, and then I leveled that up, and then I, you know, and then I got a fringe. Yeah, leveled that up a little bit. Yeah, you and know? then it was like the brief, the real brief, like uh, deathcore phase that was going on. Yeah, like I got, I got pretty into that. Like real, I, I got quickly in and out of that. Like just like had my hair dyed black, like stretched off the ears, and like a lip ring and stuff. Oh, you fully, but, um, you went, you went, you committed to like to the the lip ring and the stretched ears. Yeah, man. Like the death call phase I had was probably when I got bullied the most. Cause like, you know, I was dying my hair black and stretching my ears and stuff. And just like, man, I would have picked on me too. Like. <laughs> but this, but this was to like, you know, when it's all, it's all well and good to get picked on there. But when you go to like the Flinders Street steps, it's like, man, I got, Look at these stretch holes, you know? Look at this. <laughs> Look yeah, at yeah. Those, they, this, they were my people. But even, like, the hectic ones. Like, I was, ne I, I was never hanging out at the steps. Like, I was kind of always writing them off. Um, oh, sorry you did, if did anyone's this. listening. But, oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck. That's so funny. Uh, look, I'm sure anyone, who, if they were listening to this, if they're listening to this podcast and they were a step hanger, they know that was... Like, I got... In Geelong, we had, like, the little mall... 
the where the water shot out of Ooh. but the water never shot out of it because it was like always being broken by little teenage vandals probably and there was a shop called yeah. Artie Prince there that sold like pins and shirts and posters and it was like sweet so we just hung around like around the shop in the shop or outside the shop and that was like that was our Flinders Street steps yeah man yeah because I went to school in Bendigo for a couple of years for like year, year 11 and 12 and um like people from Geelong their stories sound like eerily similar to Bendigo stories or just like the, the kinds of people that uh, inhabited those towns. Like, So if you were in school, like Bendigo in, was, yeah. Did you like know bands around that Bendigo scene at that time as well? Is that how you kind of got more into music or? Um, I kind of get into it late, like, uh, cause I was kind of an hour from Bendigo and an hour from the city. I was kind of, going to both both cities if you call bendigo a city and like castle maine had like a pretty cool thing going on there was like just i guess that whole metalcore deathcore thing like there's a band in bendigo called uh, heaven's lost yeah and didn't the singer end up replacing uh crafter or someone on i called the prom queen for a short lived thing wasn't that a thing yeah yeah like i never knew the guy but when the guy from um heaven's lost um filled in for um ed butcher when he got kicked out of prom queen like that was like the biggest story in bendigo oh that's right it was after yeah, the, it was, yeah. the english guy yeah. and he went back to england but he got kicked out did you say is this is this goss i'm, I'm i don't know this um i'm not too sure because you've proven real like bendigo memories here but um i think um ed butcher got fired or quit halfway through a tour and then somehow this Colin guy from Heaven's Lost got the call. Um, somebody correct us if I'm wrong, but um, and was just like, "Hey, can you can you finish this tour up and uh, do vocals for Prom Queen?" This was like peak. Oh, I like, remember when this happened, that, and yeah. I remember that I looked into the band on MySpace when I heard about it because I was like, "Oh man, they must be like yeah. a thing if they're getting him." But then it, it didn't seem to last long. It was like didn't end for that tour, and that was it. And then the band was done, and then they came back with Jamie. Yeah, um, like they, that was like between them breaking up and doing that farewell tour with Crafter. Yeah. And he re-recorded the vocals on that album as well. Didn't they like go back and if you look on Spotify, there's like two versions now? Yeah, like I'm not too sure how, how well it holds up, but um, like, <laughs> but shit, man. Like, shit, man. That, that was big then. That like um, good cop, bad cop, metalcore with the like heavy vocals and the um, clean vocals. Like, <laughs> is that what you call it? Good cop, bad cop vocals in any of those bands? That's like, I'm gonna steal that. That's oh, great. just like that that mix of that mix of like clean singing and heavy vocals. Yeah, like, like angelic chorus I with just, like the brutal verse. Yeah, like that's something I um, I think after a certain age, like maybe Poison the Well was like the only the only one that I could still go back to and be like, oh yeah, cool. <laughs> That's so funny. Good cop, bad cop. Um, okay, how do we get onto that? Uh, I don't even know what the last question <laughs> I asked you was, Mikey. I'm just having a blast talking to you. Um, worst tattoo? Do you have a worst tattoo? Oh uh, yeah, like um, some point during this lockdown, I was like pretty drunk and wanted to tattoo myself, so um. I had a bit of like um, black tattoo ink and a sewing needle and just like tattooed the wicker logo on my uh, leg. Oh my God. Like, you know, you know, the wicker app, the encrypted messaging. Yeah. yeah you, I, I can assume it's like a little yeah. flyer with like a line through it or something. Is that, is that what the current Yeah, rating? it's like two, 
two lines and me with a little square around it. Yeah, and, I can um, I can see, I I can see I it in that. my mind's eye. Yeah. Yeah. What if they rebrand Mikey? Like, what if what if they rebrand and then you've got the old logo? It'll be like the Apple logo eventually to be like a classic. Yeah. I think it was like I'd need to at least one point in this lockdown I need to um you know do a stick and poke on myself like just as a mark of the times. And um, I don't I don't know how exactly I came to the wicker thing. I was pretty drunk, but um, I'm guessing I was just like, man, I miss doing drugs and party. (laughs) (laughs) Now it's always a little bit with you, you know, on your leg. Yeah, and it's not even like if somebody was to look, it's like right up on my thigh, facing towards me. So it's like, yeah. (laughs) Worst tattoo, but like it's it's yeah, it's the only tattoo I've had in like last couple of years i guess <laughs> hey man and that's great and if it's got a story and it got you through lockdown in some way shape or form then i'm all for it we got to get through it somehow yeah because i um i got a free tattoo gun like i swapped it for a six pack on um somebody <laughs> on instagram was just like hey does anyone want this tattoo tattoo machine and i just replied i was like yeah i'll, I'll give you a six pack for it and picked it up then and there so the night that i did the wicker tattoo I was trying to figure out the tattoo gun and I couldn't get it working. So I, I was still committed to the tattoo. So I just like settled for a sewing needle and, uh, you know. Oh, you'd already psyched yourself up to tattoo yourself. So you had to yeah, be done. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so that one way or another, I was like, still going to do it. And I was like, fucking wasted that. It looks atrocious. But, um, <laughs> That's that's how my uh, lockdowns be going, anyways. <laughs> Can you remind me that I have to? You got to remind me to send me a photo of that, so I put it on the Instagram, so people listening can swipe across <laughs> and see it. Because you got to you got to <laughs> show people, man. That's too fucking funny. And listeners, if we didn't do this, if neither Mikey or I remembered to do this, you got to hassle Mikey to send you a picture of it. Hold me to account. <laughs> yeah, that's great, man. That's so good. I love that you did that. Um. <laughs> What was the first? What was the first CD you purchased with your own money? With my own money, um, fuck. Like, I guess like the first like time I saved up money to like buy myself CDs, music I actually liked was maybe Missing Link, and it was either like, I think it was in that shit same trip I picked up a, a Converge CD and a um, Anal Cunt CD, just because I I saw it in the um. I saw it on the shelf and like was like fuck these like song titles and lyrics are the most offensive shit I've ever seen. And I probably still this. are. I, yeah, like, I don't think anything's topped that since then. Yeah, nothing's topped that. Like I started from there, and it was the most unlistenable garbage um, ever, and probably still is. But I was so committed to enjoying it because I spent twenty dollars on it, and twenty dollars was such a big deal. And same with the Converge one, like, I picked it up because I just kept seeing the Jane Doe shirt everywhere I was that day. Mm. And I was flicking through. I was like, man, I'll pick this up. I've seen that thing. Like, the the Jane Doe skull really resonated with me. So, 12-year-old Mikey just picked that up at an anal cunt CD. And, uh, man, that, that's uh, set my path pretty well. <laughs> like, yeah. And I still remember, like, the Convert, like, the, those two CDs... I spent like 40 bucks on two of them and I'd saved up for it. <laughs> and <laughs> I just remember like going home, like being on the V line with my um, discman. Just like, what the hell is this? <laughs> Which one did you do first? Did you do anal cunt first? 
No, I did the Converge one first. And, and um, how was that? The first, like... the first... I mean, the first song in Jane Doe is that Concubine. Mm. And, like, if, if if that's, like, your introduction to, I guess, like, super heavy music, if you call it that now, like, it's a pretty intense thing for, like, a 13-year-old who's not too familiar with, like, that style of music to just, like, have blast in his Discman headphones, like, on the V-line or... Yeah, wow. And I was so committed, so I just listened to it over and over again until it just popped, and I was like, sweet. I get this now. (laughs) How many goes did it take you to get Jane Doe? Because I'm a fan, not a huge fan, but I'm a big Dillinger fan, and I have a feeling that Converge, much like uh, the seeds that Jacob Bannon plants everywhere, I think that probably primed me for Dillinger, that Jane Doe album. Yeah, I guess like... um... Back then, I'd have to, like, pick apart certain songs or there was, like, certain parts in songs that I'd like. So I really, like, broke down, like, the tempo changes. It was like, oh, that breakdown at the end of Concubine, like, that was what I would listen to that whole song for. And I guess things started making more sense to me, like, the more I started listening to other weird music that wasn't on LimeWire, like, at the time. <laughs> so what was the next step <clears throat> In this evolution, because I mean, I'm, I've got these lightning round questions that don't really mean shit, but I will ask you before we move forward: Metallica or Megadeth? Yeah, uh, man, Metallica all the way, Excellent. absolutely. <laughs> like I don't even have to think about that. Like fuck Megadeth, man. Like, <laughs> I, I don't even think I've listened to many Megadeth songs, but yeah, I'm just immediately always just against them. It's like being from melbourne and hating sydney like (laughs) (laughs) it's just a default that's great man well let's move on i want to know more about your musical kind of exploration because we've got it's it's something that you know really mirrors my own and probably a lot of listeners as well especially if they come from regional towns so you're catching the train Mm. into the city you've had some kind of you know wild hairstyle moments and then you you've gone missing link like what were the first shows you went to and where were they and like like where did you end up once you went over 18 yeah the very first show I went to was like um, this like skate park freezer show in Woodend, and um, I think Killing Killing Heidi headlined it, and um, there was like these local metal bands. There was one called the August Rain, that was like the only like proper hardcore band. They were kind of like an Earth Crisis sort of um, yeah, just like heavy metallic hardcore, but. Um, yeah, they were, they were pretty big at the time. That was the first time I saw people, like, doing that. Um, mosh. Like, moshing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm still I'm still careful about which word, word I use to describe it, but I'll, I'll just say mosh, but, you know, do, like, do you when say doing, like, like cartwheel. What, what would you say, like, slam dancing? What else do you call it, like, other than moshing? Yeah, like... I guess like, moshing... my the... first show to go... To, like, witness that at my first ever concert, like, just people full doing, like, acrobatic cartwheels and like kicking people in the crowd. Like I was so fucking confused by it. I was like, where did they learn how to do that? Is there like a class that they go to? to (laughs) It's a wild thought. I was was like, yeah, I was kind of like fixated on that. So like the show I went to after that was like a parkway drive at uh, Luna Park. Um, Another freezer show. Whoa, which, which Luna pushover 2005 or six? Yeah, 2006. Yeah, and another big one that year was there was the Moody Ponds Youth Fest. Moody Ponds Youth Fest. 
so there was um it's like another freezer thing so like my first like three ones but like yeah that who first played one, that one the, the skate park um moody Fonsfest, i remember <laughs> behind crimson eyes headlined it uh carpathian played and like that was the first time i saw carpathian and sort of steered me into the hardcore circle a bit um that band um russian will burn played yep. as well Remember, well, um, I remember all of that because at the time I was good friends with Toby from A Fallen Theory, which was also a band in that time. Uh, and my best mate yeah. Matt used to drum in that band as well. So like that whole scene was happening the same time Hiroshima Will Burn was playing shows with those guys at, you know, youth centers probably. But around. it was like, it's like almost like all those bands recorded with the same person and um, had the same graphic designer. <laughs> like, they all would have been recorded by Roman right back in those days, yeah? Yeah, yeah, it was like Roman, Roman from um, from Complex Studios. Like mm. my old band did a recording with Timmy, who ended up working at Complex. What was the old band, band called? Trophy Night. Um, I used to play in a band in high school with um, Rathead from Grim uh, Rhythm. If you're uh, familiar with them, I am like familiar. And my yeah, my first band was with him, and we played in this like metalcore deathcore bands like i think me and him saw the red shore and we're like let's try and do a band like that but we're like we could not play our instruments at all and like i i only joined in because i was like i want to be in a band but i can't do anything so i um i just opted for vocals and um i remember seeing that like pig destroyer video where he like breaks the microphone and like just yells over the top of everything and i was like oh yeah sweet so i saw that and figured out i could figured i could just do that and um just had like a 10 watt amp and just tried to yell louder than the guitar and the drums and that's kind of how i figured out how to do it it's, it's a it's a, like a baptism of fire there you know i'm sure lots of great yeah. vocalists have come out of that little 10 watt amp oh man like i i wouldn't even consider myself a vocalist at all like i'm just like yeah i still want to like play songs and write songs with my friends but um man like I can I can yell into a microphone and you know, write some lyrics, I guess. <laughs> yeah. So so you recorded with uh, your old band with Rathead. Was that the band you recorded with, or was this a band after that? Yeah, so we had two recording. We recorded two demos of that band. One was with this place in Altona, like Melbourne Studios. Must have been like the first recording studio that popped up when I googled it, and it was like. <laughs> It was like this really the most classic jaded sound engineer who was just like punching dots and like swearing in front of these like 14 year olds trying to record a fucking metalcore demo. <laughs> and then, uh, amazing. Yeah, so I think he kind of corrupted us. And yeah, may maybe I got into smoking cigarettes after that, like that day in that small recording booth of that guy. And then the other one was um, with Timmy. He had like he ended up working for Roman at Complex on back there, and um, he had this like industrial estate warehouse rented out in like Noble Park. So we um, got our parents to drive us all the way to Noble Park to do this recording of a demo one day, and um, yeah, like rocked up and like this guy's got all these like friends passed out from partying the night before and like he's just like oh shit i gotta put my bong away <laughs> like the guy whose mom dropped us off his mom was like 
I'm going to pick you guys up at six shop. <laughs> oh man, that's awesome. That's such a great pitfall of the mother taking a kid to band practice slash rehearsal slash recording. It's amazing. Yeah, like those recordings are still up on MySpace until um, <laughs> I think like a year ago. MySpace like collapsed in on itself. I think the only proof of that band might be on uh, like, what is it? Last FM or um, Pure Volume. <laughs> might have had a demo up, up there somewhere. That's amazing. We could try and, you know, internet historians can track it down someday. Like yeah. find in like, so, th- there's got to be an underbelly of the internet where all that MySpace <laughs> data still is, right? It's not just gone. Yeah. And like, do you remember that band? They were kind of big Stonefields. They're like this, like. Australian, like, you know, triple J three piece thing. Yeah. So like. They're all my siblings, metalcore right? band. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My metalcore band, um, Cutter, who was like in Grimmins and his like hardcore band. And, um. The other ska band in the area played a battle of bands with Stonefield, and it was like their first show, and like they won the battle of the bands, of course. And um, I think for the rest of our lives, we're like, if we had just won that battle of the bands, like look where Stonefield is now. That could have been us, man. Like <laughs> they're playing Glastonbury, like yeah. So like yeah, I've been pretty pretty bitter about that ever since losing that battle of the bands, and uh, you know I haven't really recovered since. It's a hard, it's hard to fall from such great heights from, you know, such an early start, you know, it's like, you know, you, it's like yeah, anal like, cunt. You've already set yourself up for failure because it's like, <laughs> yeah. oh, fuck man. That's so funny. So you, you, you're, are you still living all the way back where you were living uh, when you're doing these trips to and from recording and you're still living up there? When did you move to Melbourne? Um, so I moved to Melbourne when I was like, 18 or 19 pretty much as soon as i finished high school like i got the first job i could in the city which is like a call center that did surveys like cold calling people and like asking them to do a survey so i like i did that i got that job and then immediately like found a rental in the city with some psycho <laughs> um, how'd you find you know, the rental a couple of things but oh man like it was it was like me and this guy that um was just not all there and was like he was like in his 30s and would tell people he was like 24 and go to bang on weekends and like try and pick up like young chicks and stuff and would just like wake up in the morning like sculling a bowl of whiskey and shit and he was just like the most chaotic motherfucker i've ever like (laughs) i'm not gonna name him on the pod but i'm sure if uh, i brought him up off uh, record, you, you might have a good idea. <laughs> it sounds like you were living with like Nikki Six from like the dirt era. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. Like it was somebody who like grew up on like glam rock and kind of based his personality on that like party wild lifestyle. And it was just not sustainable. And, uh, somebody who works in nine to five, you know, trying to live in a share house kind of thing, you know, trying to be a courteous, respectful person to another housemate. Like, you know, it just didn't really. Uh, so that was like my first experience out of home and um you know it, it taught me how not to be a shit house mate um, what are your what's mikey nolan's we're gonna do a little quick uh breather we're gonna do mikey nolan's tips to being a good roommate tell us what you got there oh man just like clean your dishes pay your bills 
pay your rent on time, Mike. This has been Mikey Nolan's tips for being a good roommate. Thank you for that. That was awesome. Um... Yeah, like the one, the one thing that's kind of like got like my like share house at the moment through lockdown is like we're just like man, let's just keep this house like nice and tidy. So like you know, lockdown shit. At least our environment's like good to be in. <laughs> Yeah, like, I, I guess a segue back into what I was saying about um, that share house. I was living with Benici that he was, um, he was uh, riding off pretty badly on his pod, on his episode. But, uh, you know, I've definitely moved on from, like, being in those kinds of houses. Like, So just, just for the listeners' uh, clarification, off mic we were talking about Mikey living in the house that Dan Benici talked about in his episode. And I was like, wasn't there like a tree growing in one of the rooms? And then that was your room, right, Mikey? <laughs> yeah, like every couple of months I'd have to get a pair of scissors out and like cut a few fucking leaves off and branches. And yeah, man. So this is... It was like the worst... It wasn't even the worst house I've lived in, to be honest. But um, give us Mikey, Mikey Nolan's bad. worst house he's ever lived in. Maybe that should become a question in the lightning uh, round opener. So I had this place in North Melbourne that I was paying like three hundred and fifty dollars a month, and I think I'm pretty sure the landlord was dead, and that's why the rent was so cheap. But I wasn't sure if um, like the bathroom was on a second floor, and if you looked up from the roof you'd see like this big black mold patch like from the whole roof where the shower was in the bathroom upstairs to like every other room and um the whole time i lived there i just had this box chest infection <laughs> which i later discovered was like i was probably just breathing in mold and asbestos for like three months and it was just Whoa. not good but cheap and, rent, like, my bedroom was like yeah, cheap rent. My bedroom was like facing um, like this apartment block that could, two families could stare in my window every morning. And it was like a smoke inside kind of house. And I was pretty much like, if my bedroom at the time was like mattress on the floor with an ashtray next to it. Um, and like this family would be like getting their kids ready for school in the morning. And I'm just like sitting on the end of my mattress just in my underwear with no shirt on, just smoking a cigarette and like ashing it on the like ashtray on my <laughs> Was it a classy ashtray though? No, no, not at all. It was like maybe Saver's like little like tin one. The <laughs> <laughs> oh, so one with like a big enough bowl that I didn't have to like empty the ashtray as much kind of thing. Yeah, you want you want economy for your ash. You don't want to just be like you know putting yeah. like four cigarettes in. Yeah, and I don't want to like empty the ashtray. <laughs> what you need is like a two liter bottle of coke with some water in it and just fill that sucker up. You know that's the zone. Oh man, yeah, I think yeah, I think I might have hit like maybe twenty four or twenty five, and it was just like I, I gotta stop living like this, man. Like, <laughs> I'm gonna get a bed to sit in my mattress on. <laughs> I'm going to get fucking, you know, what else was in yeah. the room? Where, what, like, where'd you watch TV? Where'd you play Xbox? Like, what's the, you know, like, where's the zone? Oh yeah. I've always had uh, like TV in my room with an Xbox, like on some sort of makeshift shelf. Like, um... <laughs> that's so good, man. <laughs> so, but, um, so wait, let's, let's, let's try and let's jump back. Okay. We're I, try, done. I try, I try not to earn much shit. Yeah, it's good. It's very zen of you. 
slash, uh, I don't know, bohemian or like, I don't know. There's all, there's all kinds of things you could call that. Heroin addict, whatever works. Yeah. I don't know. Like, I've never been one to like hoard stuff, I guess. Like, I pack very lightly. Like, if I had to move house tomorrow, like, I'd pretty much throw out everything except for my clothes and like my box of records and stuff. Like, Whoa, that's amazing. So, like, does having like a digital like music catalog help with that now as well? Because you can have even less stuff. Like, are you a digi guy? Yeah. No, like, I still buy obscene amounts of records that, you know, probably I shouldn't spend so much money on, but that's probably the only thing that I like to possess is, like, you know, a nice record collection, I guess. <laughs> yeah. It's not the best, but I'm getting there. No, that's exactly, well, I mean, isn't that what you want to be focusing towards? What's the point of getting a bed that's like, you know, you just only sleep on it. It's like you can get records you can listen to and you don't need it. You don't really need anything to be under the bed, right? Yeah, I don't know. I, just just for the record, um, I do have a bed frame now, and um, <laughs> I, I, I've somewhat got my shit together. I assume I assume this was back. How long ago was this? When like I I can't imagine you could live in a house. These, with that these much anecdotes money. that I've I've discussed are, are not a reflection of uh, where I'm at right now. <laughs> how long ago was that place? Was it like how, like three fifty or like in North Melbourne? That's pretty good. Was that like a few years ago, or was that now? Um, that would have been like 2013, 2014. Yeah. Is there apartments there now? uh, They would have knocked down that place by now, right? Well, we got kicked out of there because, um, we just got a call from the real estate agent one day and they're like, oh, by the way, the landlord's dead. And, um, the owners, uh, the children of the dead landlord want to sell the place because they've inherited it. And, um, yeah, so we got kicked out of there and then I, then me and the other housemates and then a bunch of other people like moved into this like mansion in Footscray with the pool. But it was like me and three other couples. So it was like seven people living in like this falling down house with a pool. <laughs> Did you, was the pool swimmable or was it a skate pool? Oh, we, we, we ended up making the pool swimmable. Like it was. It was great for summer, but the house was just like, there's too many people. It was too big of a house. Like it was one of those like old, like uh, like Greek kind of like marble, like marble floors and everything. And it was just like falling apart. Cause like, it was just, yeah, they, they didn't rent it to us for much money at all. Like, <laughs> That's awesome. It sounds like you got a good spider sense for sweet, uh, you know, cheap areas, you know, like that you can have a sweet place in. It's like real cool, you know, like all these places. Like I'd love to live there if I was like 20 and could almost deal with the chest pain, you know, like I don't think I could do that now though. Yeah. Oh, like it did me well for, for what it was. Like <laughs> I definitely, um, when I was living in that house with the pool and three couples and just way too many housemates at once, I kind of just woke up one day. I was like, I can't be living like this. Like... <laughs> I need to get a bed. I need to like get a nice shelf for my records. Yeah, it's like fuck. I I need to get a bed frame and like you know maybe learn to cook a few meals. <laughs> oh man, I feel like you're just talking about my own life. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's like no point downplaying it. Like I'm not gonna. <laughs> <laughs> just, everyone just learns to cook in their uh, own time you know I, I can cook like f- 
four or five things now that I'm like, yeah, I can do them like five things. Like that's, you know, that's all I need. You freeze yeah. a bunch of them, done. Yeah, but like being like a single dude, like there's no point cooking for yourself unless you want to like eat the same leftovers for a week straight. Like, nah, but if you freeze like... it, you can then thaw them later and then it's like different meals. You just yeah. got to get the freezing schedule. That's what I do sometimes. Yeah, that's that's the Plus like... Anytime I'm in like a relationship or like, you know, hanging out with a friend that we're just like, let's, let's cook up a roast or something. You know, I can get into it. If there's somebody else that I'm like pressured to impress or, you know, yeah, can when, I be like, no, that's not how you do it. Like <laughs> there's, a, there's an effort level. That's like at a point where it's like, once it goes over that point, I'll cook, but anything below that, it's like anything that's frozen. <laughs> Or can I like resort to cooking something easily? That's yeah. why in COVID as well, because I can't be fuck cooking in COVID again. Like you were saying, if people are coming over, you're doing a barbecue, but it's like, I don't know. I'd just rather eat the same shit over and over again because I can't be fuck cooking. <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> yeah, it's like, because I'm not like as active because I'm just like working all day and just walking around the house and maybe going for my like hour long state sanctioned walk or whatever. Like, I'm just not as hungry as I was because I'm just not as energized or just, yeah, just not as active as I once was. So, like, you know, I could eat a piece of fruit in the morning and be, like, good until, like, the afternoon at some point. Like, That's exactly what I've done, but I've compressed the fruit into a smoothie form with coconut water. So it's like, it's a, like I'm like, I'm getting a bit more stuff and then I just don't eat until, like, I, have, I, like, oh, I had, I actually had a sushi lunch today, which was delicious, but then I'm going to have dinner after this, you know, like, because it's just like, that'll do, that's enough. I'm not doing anything. Yeah. We're not expending energy. Love that for you, man. <laughs> but, um, yeah, fuck. Um, what, were we, what were we talking about? Where were we, where were we at? Um, oh, I want to know about, like, the bands you were seeing. So, you, so you, you, so your musical journey kind of goes from freezer shows in like regional areas. And then what happens after that? Um, I guess like, um, just following around like hardcore bands and stuff like St. Ambrose, um, town hall or whatever it was across the road from the Brunswick box. It was like, that's where all the shows were going on. It was like Campbellwell civic center. Yeah. Like I remember seeing sick of it all combat kid and jungle fever and that kind of um changed the game for me in some ways and it was like that show was like the merch desk had like a bunch of flyers for other shows going on so from there it just kind of you know chained onto a thing like flyering was still a big thing when i was like going to shows for the first time like yeah like you go to a punk show and then there would be somebody trying to just plug every other show going on and it was like cat food press st ambrose hall so it was like it was good for me as a kid because it was a lot of like underage diy venues as well and like sometimes i'd go out to the, the castle and dandy you know <laughs> like oh. lie to my parents and be like oh i'm uh i'm just going to my friend's place for the afternoon like catch a train from wood end to the city to the city to dandy Nong and watch like a bunch of hardcore bands in it sketchy house place like <laughs> that's awesome and then but you'd always train home so it was fine yeah yeah i'd get i'd get back by the time that i'd say i would but you know sometimes it'd be a scramble and um dandy Nong train station circa uh 2008 and 9 wasn't the like safest place for a youngster like myself to be looking around like <laughs> 
Yeah, it's a trade-off, isn't it? The sa- the safety versus like the last train home. You know, it's like oh, but I don't want to miss the end of this band. But like, trains leaving. You know, you just got to get that last. Yeah, one. like those like train stations were so scary. Like <laughs> back in the day, like in the world, in the world before PS, it was like some of those train stations were like no, not a very good place. More like. <laughs> That's crazy. So then from there, like this is obviously when you're underage and then you move to the city and you've, you've lived in some pretty crazy places. But then once you're in the city, what are the shows you're going to at that point? And what era is this, by the way? Like when would you have moved to Melbourne? What year? So well, so are we pitting the timeline of like me just moving out of home for the first time? Yeah, because I guess like it's such it, a funny yeah. conclude, like, you know, the conclusion of, you know, the freezer shows to the hardcore shows to, to like the kind of fly stuff. And then to like, you know, wh- what venues were you going to when you first moved yeah. to Melbourne? Yeah, um, that was kind of peak, like me getting into shit like, um, like Straight Jacket Nation and Piss Christ and like i guess the more crustier side of things and going to shows that like i guess extortion were pretty big at the time too like they were probably the biggest like hardcore bands that i was like that was in my world at that time mm. so like yeah that kind of stuff and then i think for a few years after that i got a bit disengaged with it all like i guess um i, I guess i wasn't like i wasn't playing in any bands or anything i was just a punter so it's just like i got nothing to contribute to this and like sort of just drilled into my own friends rather than like chasing my own interests musically. Like it got to a point where like the people I grew up with weren't into the same music that I kind of grew into. So I would be going to shows by myself and stuff for a little while. And um, yeah, it was just kind of like, uh, I just didn't really connect with the, the music that I was interested in at, at some point. So there was like a good year where I just kind of was disengaged, wasn't going to shows very much, just hanging out with like friends from high school and whatnot. And then I don't know what happened. I think it was just like, I moved into that share house with uh, Dan Benici and um, I didn't really know him before then or like the other person there. And they were kind of a bit more involved with um, like different circles of like Melbourne scenes and stuff. So it kind of just got me back into like going to shows again and from there I was just like sweet I'll go to this show with this band that I enjoy by myself and figure it out from there yeah and I think that's a really good place to get to and I think it's so funny you mentioned that fatigue and I reckon I had a similar thing at the same time in that it's just like and I think I also got into a relationship at the time as well so it's like you know that kind of curtails yeah. as well and you kind of drop off because maybe it's just not doing it for you what other things can be at the time. And I think it's just about being open for it. And and, and it also might just be a bit of fatigue yeah. with some of the bands too, right? Yeah. And probably there was like probably a, a bunch of layers to it as well. Like I'm sure like 18 year old me was more interested in like smoking bongs in, in a shitty lounge room than like spending a bunch of money at a pub watching bands. Like. And you got to buy merch, you got to Uber home if you miss the train or, you know, you might get some food on the way home. Like, it's an expensive night. Yeah, I guess, like, as well as that, I probably just didn't have the money to do it. Like, I, I, I didn't have the money to, like, watch a band at a pub. Like, when I was first out of home, I was working, like, 12 hours a week just to pay rent and, like, get by. Like, I was, like, at the time, I thought I was living within my means, but, like, going out and having a bender was like out of the question. <laughs> like unless I like did a real good pregame like 
Yeah, for sure. Um, tell us about, uh, so that point, you, what was the point that then, cause like I know you as Mikey Nolan from like, no Haven, right? Like when did that start? Cause that must've happened around the same time, right? Yeah, did, did I meet you at Meredith or at a Weedy show? Because I was playing in that band Weedy Gonzalez for a bit. Oh, of course, yeah. But I reckon I definitely knew you before that. Because yeah, it definitely probably wasn't well, I mean, Meredith, um, I reckon. Yeah, so like No Haven stemmed from me and Will being friends and our friendship kind of was based on like me and him were into a lot of similar music and like considering the circle we were in at the time, like we were the only people that like I knew at the time that was like, we were pretty switched on to the same sort of stuff. And it was just, man, me and you are going to start a band like this one day. And it took about a year of us like talking about it to, you know, Alex who played in a band with Will and a similar kind of vibe moved to Melbourne and they started writing songs together. And then, yeah, we just found a bass player and kind of kicked things off from there. But, yeah, because it feels it was like... definitely like me meeting Will and me and him just linked up in a like musical kind of way. Well, yeah, because when Will, and, uh, he came onto the old podcast that I did with Matt, Keir Solomon back in the day, and at the time he was talking about the project that he was working on with you. Like, that's how long ago it was. Interesting. That it was like... Yeah. Because he's like, oh, yeah, we're working on... Because didn't he have a mate that moved from Tassie? Is that right? That, that That's when they started writing together? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. and then um, Alex moved to Melbourne. And they started writing together and like Alex is an insane drummer. Like, like we, me and Will have, we were like talking about doing this band forever, but we could just never find a drummer who like knew what we were talking about and like could play it well as well. So once Alex came in, like we just booked every Wednesday for like months we were just like writing songs didn't even have a name for the project like we wrote the e the first ep without a band name and wow. we just had this plan of like all right sweet we'll record this ep we'll keep this band a secret and then we'll have this ep we'll have this ep written recorded and ready to go and then like the day after our first show we'll like drop that and it was like the plan worked out pretty well um we got Angus in the band after a few like bass players came and went. And once we had like a solid lo lineup locked in, like jumped into the studio, recorded the EP and then like booked our first show ourselves. Like I just shot an email off to um, Jakey who runs like uh, last chance or may have been public bar at the time. Um, got party vibes and a bunch of our friends to play. And like last chance was the perfect first show venue, especially like opening the show you booked just to try and be like hey we're in a band now here's the thing that exists like there's a weird way of approaching it but um yeah like it was a lot of fun like that first show was great like there's lots of people that we like fucked up the first song like three times like the first couple of notes like i think we were so nervous like i wouldn't even stand on the stage because i was like i had that bad of stage fright <laughs> like I was like standing in the crowd with my face towards the drummer and um, we fucked up the song and it, it was just like, we were just getting worse with like our nerves and just like fucked up the song again and again. And it was like, sorry, we'll, um, we'll try this one again. And then played the first show. Like the people that saw it were pretty happy with how it sounded. And the day after we just put the, put the um, EP that we recorded out 
And um, yeah, I guess the rest was, was history. Like it was like the first band that we just put something out in the world and like some people kind of took it back. Like we didn't really try hard to put it out there, but um, yeah, like the response for it was like still to this day, like if somebody's like, oh, New Haven, I love that shit. I was like, really? But I was like, I've got pretty bad imposter syndrome. So it's like... <laughs> But no, nah, man, and, and it was listening to it today and it still holds up, man. It's great. Like even the, I was listening to the EP. So when would that have come out? That Like how many years ago now? Would that have been like five years ago, six years ago? So yeah, the, the EP probably came out in uh, 2016. Probably recorded that. Like that was pretty quick yeah. from like recording to putting it out. And then the album took a little while to record and even longer to release just because like Will had joined Clowns halfway through the process and was touring with the clowns like around the world constantly. So there was only like a small window of time during the year for um, us to like, you know, put the New Haven stuff into gear. But um, the time that we had, like we used pretty wisely, like we we ended up even just going into the studio with, well, with a bunch of like skeletons of songs and kind of pieced it together in the studio during the recording process and like, Man, that was like a real fun way to approach it. Like just kind of putting it all together in the studio with um like Mike Deslandes, who did like the Sunder album. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know if you like listen to that, but like, fuck, man, that 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 new Sunder album is great, and like it also speaks volumes to like Mike Deslandes, like his production values. Like, yeah, he's definitely he's definitely like um, Australia's answer to like. Kurt, God City, kind of like if you want a heavy recording, mm. like a heavy dark recording, like Mike Deslanders is your man. Well, it's funny that this inverted card that you got, it seems like everyone who gets these inverted cards seems to walk this line of this genre that I don't know what to call it. And I guess Mike has a big piece in that, which is like the post metal gloomy, you know, like I guess like so. So Rob Allen also pulled an inverted card. So did. Uh, who else was it? Um, Troy from Sunder and now you. So it's like maybe there's something to do with that undercurrent of whatever that is that's a, an inverted. Because it is all, it's it's very, like I was listening to it this afternoon in ISO, but I realized it was it was putting me in like a more of a state of like, oh, I already feel shit because of ISO. And it's like adds to that <laughs> level of tension because it's this like droning long you just screaming at me. I'm like, oh man, I got to change some funky stuff or something. Because it was like, I was before the podcast, I was like becoming a downer. Yeah. I guess like the writing process with that is like I'll hear the riff that Will's giving me and be like, sweet, I'm gonna try and match that with the mood that I get from listening to that like those sounds. Mm. So I try and double down and punch up on the intensity and like, you know, dig dig quite deep on like, you know, the most painful parts of my soul to like, you know, just dish out and make it sound like honest and real, I guess. But And it takes um, its toll, yeah. you know? Like it's a it's an interesting way that it seems like a lot of these bands get that kind of outcome by by putting that intensity in but that takes a toll right so like how do you feel afterwards do you feel drained absolutely like after a while it did drain me to the point like i guess like in the process of like writing and recording that album like i, I was like in a worse place mentally than i um than i would have thought i was mm. and it was only until like you know i got through that look back and i was like fuck man i was like <laughs> i was quite unwell like recording that album and like the months that followed that and um i guess it was kind of 
me just kind of using the like music as an excuse to like be my outlet to exercise those demons rather than uh you know being like oh shit man i should probably uh you know look after my uh mental health a bit <laughs> a bit more like you know i guess like early 20s mike you kind of had a bit of a different attitude but uh yeah nowadays like yeah that that album me listening back to it now is just like man it's a fucking child like <laughs> <laughs> Compared to like where I've like grown from, from like what I I guess that like that album was like this weird form of therapy for me. Like I was just kind of just expelling demons into music. Like, <laughs> and I think that that's where you get some of the most powerful kind of vocal performances and stuff that really stands the test of time. When there is as much as it, I guess, because there's that paradox then. Because then you're like, oh, I need to be in pain to be an artist or whatever. But I don't think that's the case. I think you need to yeah. outlet it the right way and then vent it out through the recording, but try not to dwell on it. But it, I guess it would be hard if that's the world you live in, you know, when that's what you're writing. And yeah, like I don't, I don't quite as much relate to it now. But at the time, like it would, I don't know. I felt that was like an honest, <laughs> a very honest representation of where I was at at the very time that I was recording that, like. But I think yeah. that's important because, like, wasn't, you know, Henry Rollins stealing meat out of the supermarket to eat, you know, while they're recording those Black Flag records? So it's like, you know, I think that as much as it does suck for the people who have to be, like, to scrounge for their art or whatever, like, that shows in the artwork. And I think that's, yeah. Yeah. I've always, like, appreciated honesty in music, like, as well. Like, I don't know, that was, like, I guess with Weedy, I was kind of just writing violent words in songs. Like I was kind of taking the, the death metal textbook and just writing ugly words to paint a picture. Like none of the songs really meant anything, but I was just kind of painting ugly words into the song. And um, like No Haven was the time I was kind of like, all right, I'm going to hurt in and like, you know, put a bit of my soul into this. Like, I don't know, like, yeah, 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 for sure. And I think there's that there's that difference between like, yeah, really thoughtfully doing it or doing something from the heart, even if it is going to be rough. But you can't do that in Weedy. That's not going to work. You know what I mean? Like, it's not the same. Yeah, yeah. You've, you've picked the right vibe for the right, you know, bands that you're playing in. Yeah, and even in this new band that I've been doing, like, um, it's after No Haven kind of fizzled out, I took a few months off, like, even trying to do music stuff, like, must needed break which uh you know i definitely recommend if you've like spent many years trying to get a band happening it doesn't really work out um take a year off just don't even don't even think about it just recoup but like i've been doing this new band um with my friend dharma who played in this band dawn and her partner um who plays in this band giant and i don't know if you remember the band merchant or like another melbourne band's I funnily enough ran into one of the members of Merchant at a brewery in New South Wales. Oh shit! Yeah, um, the guy that worked for two two birds or whatever, Wilson. Uh yeah, I think so. Yeah, we, yeah. We, we met each other at, at a dark mofo, and then I saw him at the brewery, and he's like, "I know you. Are you from Melbourne?" And I was like, "Yeah." And he's like, "We met in Tasmania." And I was like, "Oh, that's so cool!" It was out the front of. I think it was after the Ulva gig at Dark Mofo. Oh shit! Yeah, that makes sense. Um, yeah, so it's like, um. I just got kind of roped into it after they kind of had some songs together and just put my style of vocals over the top of it and kind of run with that. Like it was like that, um, I thought like there was songs that just sounded like between I hate God and neurosis kind of vibe. And then now it's kind of like evolving into its own, like sort of sound that, um, 
fuck, I'm, I'm real stoked to, to put it out into the world when it's ready. Like, had this pandemic not happened, like, we would have played our first show in April and, you know, probably got a million albums worth of songs to record. So at the moment, how are you funneling the, uh, the ISO vibes into, like, a songwriting or a lyric writing process? Um, I tried to hone in on it, but, um, and I found like trying to be creative, like in that sort of sense, like when you're in lockdown, it's like, man, I got fucking nothing to relate my life to or anything. Like I tried, like at the start, I got pretty, pretty into it. And then I was just like, Hey guys, I got like nothing I can offer right now. Like, I don't know. Like this, this lockdown has like left me a bit uninspired, which is like, I don't know. Okay. To say, I guess like, Oh yeah. Not everyone can be pumping out like, you know, side projects in ISO. I think it's also just like, it's okay just to be existing every day. You know, like I'm just like, if I get up at a reasonable time and like the house is clean and I did something, I got slightly better than yesterday, then that's all I need to do. I'm not like putting heaps of pressure on myself. (laughs) Anyone who knows this podcast release schedule knows that I don't put myself to any kind of, uh, I don't behold myself to any schedules. Yeah. And you'll see on the internet, people like, oh, well, you know, the guy wrote The Great Gatsby when he was in quarantine. The second time a security guard fucked somebody in a quarantine hotel. Like, like. Is that is that actually true? Oh, there's just like some story. I forget which. I'm blanking out on the right. Whoever wrote The Great Gatsby was like this like famous like American literature guy. And like people were like quoting that he'd uh, like, you know, written all his like finest work while he was in quarantine during the Spanish flu pandemic. And like people were, like, yeah, just like, you don't know what you're capable of in quarantine. Just zone in on it. It's just like, fuck off. Like, stuff like pressuring people to like, do something creative for their quarantine. Yeah, just, people just, want a problem. <laughs> like, just let me play Call of Duty and eat bad food, you know? <laughs> Like that's all I need. I don't. I don't want to be like beholden to the writing Great yeah. Gatsby now. Yeah, fuck that, man. Yeah, like I definitely tried to. Like, all right, sweet. I'll I'll try this and this and then just like yeah. The only thing that I've like kind of kept up is like I've sort of been like trying to learn how to draw, which is something I never really did prior to anything. Oh, like, that's cool. What? How drawing. did you start? How did I start? Um, I just started like just tracing like classic tattoo styles and I don't know, I'm still just at that phase where I'm just looking at drawings that I like and just trying to copy it. And like, I'm slowly starting to figure out like tactics that, you know, certain like illustrators do. Cause, um, I've, I've definitely like grown up enjoying like shit like mad magazine and like adult swim and stuff like that kind of like animation but like I've never really picked up a pencil and tried to draw anything myself. Like that was like the only thing in lockdown that I was like, all right, sweet. That's probably like one thing I, I could probably pick up and try and learn. Like, I love that. That's, that's all you need, man. That's the goal. If you get better at drawing by the end of this, then it's not worth nothing, you know, like it's great. Yeah, definitely. Like just something that I can like create with like little resources, I guess. That's awesome, dude. Um, let's. Uh, is there anything else you want to talk about before we move on to the lightning round finish? Do you, is there uh, what else? Does the name does the band have a name yet? Um, yeah, this band's called Ishwa, but um, it's spelled I S U A. 
Isu. Is that, is that- we got Instagram. That's like the only um, proof that we exist. But Sick. I'm, I'm tagging I'm banned from, um Yeah, I'm banned from like using the um, the social media because you follow me on Instagram. You know, I just like fucking post bullshit all day. <laughs> like with No Haven, I was starting to take the piss out of the Instagram account and like um, the arms all that. It's like, look, um, <laughs> maybe maybe. I'm not going to give you the password to the Instagram. I, I don't quite trust you yet. And I was like, yeah, fair enough. Like, I, I definitely would take the piss out of it, by the way. <laughs> yeah, too much idle hands, man. Too much free time. It's going to get used. Yeah. But before we get to the lightning round, could I just, like, quickly run off the piss? Oh, yeah, of course, man. Beers? Yeah, of course. I'll get it ready. Yeah, I'll man. go do the same. <laughs> All right, lightning, <laughs> lightning round question. I've never been more ready. I've never been more ready. Let's go. All right, question, first question, analog or digital? Um, fuck. Um, digital, I guess. Like, it's 2020, baby. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> this podcast wouldn't exist without it. Uh, what time did you wake up today? <laughs> yeah. What time did I wake up today? Uh, I woke up at 8, and then I set up another alarm to wake up five minutes before I had to start work. Um. <laughs> Cause I'm working from home now. So I think I, I woke up at eight, but I actually woke up at about nine twenty-five. <laughs> That's awesome. That's I started my day. <laughs> uh, what was the last thing you read? Last thing I read? Um, the last thing I read was this book, um, Underneath the Stairwell, which is like this, um, this guy that used to have this like blog spot where he wrote short stories, but he ended up just like publishing them into a book. Like I picked it up at that repressed records in Sydney fucking hilarious man like it's like it's like sydney guy who has done a lot of drugs in his time writing like bukowski-esque like short stories about just like fucked up shit he's done in his life like he's a real piece of shit it's like a great read (laughs) wasn't bukowski a piece of shit as well though yeah yeah like that's 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 the point i guess like (laughs) Oh, if I'm going to be a dick, I may as well at least gonzo journalism my way through it so it's like worthwhile for someone else to read, you know? It makes sense. Yeah. That's something I've always kind of like in books. I like just reading about the like just real pieces of shit as well. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, oh, I've lost the next question. My phone's locked up. Uh, what's your first memory? Do you have a first memory or something that sticks out in your brain? first memory fuck man i think my first ever memory of like being aware of my own existence was maybe like sitting on the couch with my sister while she was watching greece and like singing along to it which is like a weird specific first memory but like i was thinking about this the other day it was like my first like acknowledgement of my own existence it's maybe like yeah just sitting on the couch i think it was like christmas i can picture a christmas tree in the corner of the room and like yeah that's lovely that should become a christmas tradition just watching grace you know watching grace man first memory uh are you a tea or a coffee guy coffee too much coffee man way too much if you were reborn who or what would you like to be who or what I'd like to be? Yeah. Fuck. Some kind of bird, man. Like something that can fly. Yeah. I mean, if I've got like knowledge of um, you know, my own existence, I feel like I've done everything I'd want to do because I can't fly. So yeah, some sort of bird. 
That's awesome, dude. Uh, what inspires you? Inspires me? I, I guess going back to just fucking other people, like human beings in general, like whether pieces of shit or like, I'm just fascinated with like how other people like respond to each other and behave. Like, it's, it's why you go on the comment section on news.com. Yeah, like I like finding like the worst, worst dregs of humanity and just kind of understanding why they came to be that way. Like, <laughs> it's like a, it's like a dick anthropologist, you know. It's like you're going back through and figuring out what makes just asshole people tick, you know. Yeah, I guess it's like the same kind of fascination with like crime podcasts and stuff. Like, you know, people like it just they're just fascinated with like why people behave certain ways, like. It's so true. We all are. We all are. I love it. Netflix puts out a new doco every week for you to garble up. That's like, you know, that's like some, you know, we've been calling them sexy secrets at our house. You know, it's always like someone's done this and then, oh, and then a secret. Oh, and then murder and then this and then the mob. It's like, fuck. Yeah. Every time. (laughs) (laughs) Every fucking time. Um, Last record you played. Last record I play? Um, fuck, I think the last record I have on my thing is um, it's been Oily Voice from Sydney. I bought this record from that Lulu's record store. Um, it's like a good, like, just angry hardcore album. Like, it came out, like, a few months ago. Sick. It's kind of got to be, like, a negative approach kind of vibe to it. Um, that or um, that new Faceless Burial record. There's been some good good records come out this year for sure like and a lot of it's australian too like it's a bit hard to have your ear on the ground these days with um pandemic and all but like fuck man there's been some good releases this year like it's like that yeah that faceless burial oily voice internal rot that's like one of the best grind albums i've heard in a while like Sick. That's awesome, man. Well, look, and I guess it is. There's a there is a positive thing that you can enjoy that in COVID times. You know, people are still putting out music and starting bands like yourself and having it ready for post COVID times. You know, it's an important thing that it's all part yeah. of the ecosystem. Yeah, I've got way too much time to listen to music too, so I've just been like working other people's like Spotify algorithms and kind of just like, oh yeah, what's this person listening to? <laughs> that's awesome man i love that shit too i love digging digging deep and figuring out like the roots of stuff even if it's through like yeah related artists and stuff on spotify i love that shit it's like wikipedia Mm. diving you know but through spotify related artists i really get a kick out of it yeah (laughs) um who do you love who do i love everybody Mm, good yourself as well rory oh thanks man i love you too mikey uh what do you (laughs) what do you value the most I value the most. Man, I value my friends and my family. It's like the classic shit. Like I like to keep my uh my things small and close to me. But yeah, friends, family. That's yeah, that's a pretty easy one. <laughs> Don't want to get too philosophical on that. Um, what voice can you do? Do you do any voices or any accents? um no i don't want to i don't want to like try in case i sound like racist (laughs) (laughs) it's 2020 you'll get canceled doing an impression of someone yeah don't do it yeah yeah like um yes i don't think it's okay to like uh maybe not maybe like i think uh you know maybe a listener might be um a bit mad 
doing an impression of another. I appreciate your your duty. People of care. say I have an accent. Yeah, people say I have an accent, but I don't know. What don't What do they do. think the accent is? Like you're from somewhere, like not from Australia. Yeah, I think I maybe just speak a bit slow, or like I guess I grew up in the country watching like a lot of American TV and smoked a lot of weed as a as a young teenage boy. So I think like my uh, the pace that I talk is kind of slowed down. It's gotten a bit more like relaxed, and people are like, "Are you American?" I'm like, no. <laughs> this is just how I fucking talk, man. <laughs> Fuck like, you. That's, that's awesome. Uh, are you a Batman or a Robin? Um, I reckon Adam West era Batman. Oh, that's the best answer I think I've ever heard of this question. Thank you for that. <laughs> just, I could just picture you now with like your hair coming out of the sixties bat suit, just like dancing away. It's, uh, it's a really nice image to think about. Maybe I'll Photoshop it. I'll Photoshop it in. I'll put your hair on sixties Batman for the Instagram. That shit is so fucking funny though. Like the Adam West era Batman, like. It's just like, even at its time, it was the most ridiculous, goofy shit ever. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Like, it was satire that no one got. Like, it was always intended to be satire as well, but people just kind of thought that's what Batman was. And it's like, oh, no. Like, the whole world didn't get the joke, (laughs) you know? Yeah. And I think, like, there's, like, stories as well of, like, Adam West and, like, whoever played Robin, like, getting into orgies, like, offset, but, like, being in character as Batman and Robin while they're doing that as well, like... Is that a true like story? Funny... Like, have you, have you heard about? Is this, is this on a crime podcast that you've listened to? Man, it's probably something I listened to on a podcast, but I uh, haven't really fact checked. But um, yeah, I heard that anecdote. If somebody can look that up and like send me or you a message and back that up, yeah, we'll check Snopes.com. Like, offset. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'd love to hear some more like off Offset Adam West Batman stories because man, that's just the best. <laughs> 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 oh gee Batman. That's so good. Oh my god. Yeah, no, it would make it makes it even cooler. If, or if it was like if you found out they like got in the suits and took acid or something, like with Andy Warhol, it's like they're all mates and it'd be like that would be way more fun to me knowing there'd be an episode where like Robin's on acid or something in one of those. Yeah, man. It's fucking ridiculous. Like watching that shit is like better than watching like the room for some people. <laughs> like you know, like yeah, it used to always be on on Fox Kids, like or, or, or Nick at Night, or one of those ones that like I, an X years ago you had Foxtel, and if you watched the kid channel at the right time at night time, they'd always have Batman on, and it was the best. Oh man, it's I, I'm gonna watch that after we chat. I reckon, like <laughs> I've got it all on my hard drive, dude. <laughs> <coughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure that shit's all on YouTube anyway. Like... Sick. Um, what movie could you watch every day and not get sick of? Fuck, I heard you all see other people this one, and I was, like, really, like, struggling on it. Um, fuck, it's... I'd almost say Freddy Got Fingered, just because it is just, like, the stupidest fucking movie that, like, poisoned me so much as a child and, like, set the bar for, like, what, what I find funny. And, like, every time I rewatch it, it's, like, it still is just, like, wow, what a fucking movie. <laughs> what a fucking masterpiece absolute fucking masterpiece man like it's got so much like in- intellectual capital and it's just like yeah man it's deep 
Freddie got fingered, man. There's a there's a YouTube guys, uh, Red Letter Media. Do you watch those dudes? And they do like the movie reviews and stuff. No. They did a really good breakdown of Freddie Got Fingered and it's like amazing how they break it down in that it's like the metaphor is that he gets a bunch of money to do some dumb shit in the movie, which is exactly what he did when the movie studios gave him money. Like he spent yeah. all the movie's budget and all this dumb shit he wanted to do and turn it into a movie. But that was the point. And I never really thought of it like that before. Like it's a real fuck you to movie making in general. Yeah. And I just think I respect that out of Tom Green. Yeah, the one thing that the other one that's probably been like my most consistent rewatch is like maybe Office Space. Mm. Like I've always been a fan of like Mike Judge, who like did Beavis and Butthead and stuff. And like Office Space is just like for a comedy movie, it's just like it's not too silly, but it's just like funny enough and like goes for the perfect eighty minutes. Like doesn't even go for ninety minutes. It's just like perfect length, like not too fucking stupid, and just you know. That's awesome, dude. Great movie. It is a, fu- space, is a man. fucking great movie. Um, all right. And, what and if somebody's worked in an office, like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, oh, we're on to the Patreon questions now. Uh, first MA15 Plus movie you ever saw? MA15 Plus? Ooh. Yeah. Um, I remember my um, my mom was like, oh, let's... I'll take you to the movie. You can see anything you want. I was like, can we see me, myself, and Irene? And she's like, yeah, sure, whatever. And that was MA15 plus. I remember like my mom trying to like connect with her child's kid, just like watching me, myself, and Irene at the cinemas and like walking out of there and like what the movie about a guy with schizophrenia, like running away. I forget exactly what the movie is, but this is like not the movie to watch with your mom. Like even now, like I probably wouldn't comfortably sit down with the parent and watch that. No, I wouldn't. Uh, I, I, I haven't seen it in a while either, but there's enough scenes in that movie that I can remember would be very awkward with your mum in the theatre, for sure. Yeah, it's like, there's a good, like, whoever made it, like the Farrelly brothers, they made like Dumb and Dumber and what else did they make? Like Kingpin and... Um, um, yeah, like- Kingpin and uh, Me, Myself and Irene. There was like a... There's another one. Uh, there's something about Mary. Oh yeah, like, boom. Yeah, of course. If you compare those, yeah, if you compare those movies to like all the other like classic like '90s movies, like there's a completely different tone to those movies altogether. Like they're kind of fucked up in a way. Like me and my housemate watching there's something about Mary. It's like the whole movie is just about these like dudes stalking this chick. Like <laughs> was like. It's a re- it's a premise that you couldn't get away with now, that's for sure. Yeah, like there's a lot of shit. It's like, wow, this this plot line is fucking ridiculous, man. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's awesome. Um, if uh, oh, uh, favorite piece of band merch. Favorite piece of band merch. Um, shit, man. <laughs> Probably like my newest one. I just got like as I was saying, the faceless burial. Right now, it's like this new one I got. Oh yeah, is, oh, that, is, shit, it, is it a crew neck? No one's gonna see that. Is it a jumper? Yeah, it's, it's just like a good crew neck with oh, some scribbly yeah. writing on it. That's probably gonna be my favorite uh, piece of band merch until I buy a new piece of band merch. I love it. Yeah, new piece of band merch are always my favorite piece of band merch. <laughs> yeah, I guess I guess to answer your question, my favorite piece of band merch is the most recent piece of band merch that I've uh, purchased, which is the one I'm wearing. Also, great, right great question to that. Uh, great answer to that question. Um, <laughs> great question to that answer. Um, if you could live in a horror movie, which horror movie would you live in? 
Fuck. Um, Midsummer, man. <laughs> <laughs> but like, as a part of the cult. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, I don't want to be in the bear. I want to like make the bear. Yeah, yeah. I want to be like in the bear. Oh no, not in the bear. Like, you know, I want to be the one like curating those like fucked up rituals. <laughs> That's a great answer too. Um, if you had a, a, a time machine, you could go see any gig, past or future. Where would you go? What would you see? Any gig, shit, man. Um, I reckon like it's being a fly on the wall, like Sombre Music Festival back in the day would be pretty good. Like, um, I don't know how factual this is, but apparently Queen played Sombre like years ago, and they got booed off stage because like. Just the rough Sunbury, which, you know, picks your, your rough heads from Geelong. Yeah. Sunbury's the same. Like, yeah. That would have just been an interesting time to be in Australia. <laughs> like, like now? Yeah. Oh, now is, yeah, this is the worst timeline to be on. But um, <laughs> it's interesting nonetheless. <laughs> yeah, it is. It, it, you can, it is the worst, but you can't say that it is interesting. Um, what's your favorite yeah. shapes flavor? Shapes flavor? Pizza. Ooh, you pizza guy. Every time? Every time? Uh, between that and barbecue, but definitely pizza gets like the, maybe it's just like the purple box sticks out to me. <laughs> That's awesome, dude. Yeah. I'm so glad. And uh, <laughs> famous last words. Is there is there any quotes you like or anything you'd like tattoo on yourself or put on a tombstone? Or an MSN um, screen name? Fuck <laughs> man shit never stop the madness man <laughs> oh it's a great way to end the show man thank you so much for joining us tonight man and being a guest on the show it's been great what a pleasure dude anytime man good rambler Hello, welcome to the Post Ramble. I hope you really enjoyed the episode with Mikey Nolan. I hope you are doing well in these insane times. If you are in Melbourne and you are very locked down like me, you might be going very insane. So hopefully this has done something to curb the insanity the way that Call of Duty does for me. If you jump across the show notes, you can check out a sweet YouTube playlist made by Mikey Nolan, filled with Mikey Nolan music. You can also support the show on Patreon if you have some dollars to kick around in this crazy time it would be much appreciated for you to support in the show much like all of our lovely patrons already thank you so much uh thank you so much for listening and i hope this podcast finds you well we'll have another one soonish <laughs>